Well, if you have your Bibles, open those to Mark chapter 1. Boy, we're just flying along. Still in chapter 1 of Mark. Um, we're going to finish chapter 1 today. We're going to start in vo- verse 40 and uh, work our way through verse 45 as we look at this story today of a leper that is cleansed. Before I get started, uh, how about those uh, Paul's Valley Panthers? All right, huh? 2-0, and o, if you're not following along, keep up, all right? It's, it's, uh, it's, they're fun to watch, and uh, I'm praying for those guys. Get to uh, at the football luncheons here. Uh, speak to them before uh, they take off, after, after they have their burgers. Probably none of them hear a word I say, but listen, it's fun for me. Get to stand in front of them, get to do that, and listen, those guys are... Um, Good young men, so let's pray for them that the uh, Lord have his way in their lives as well. Not just on the football field, but in their lives. Uh, here in Mark chapter 1, we have a story at the conclusion of this chapter. And uh, in verse 39, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and read verse 39 as well, as, which is the end of what we finished with last time. And it says, And he went into their, their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. Verse 40 now. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he, that is Jesus, sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, and go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city but stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray in the next few minutes that we have as we go through this scripture that you would teach us today. I pray that you would move us in our hearts as well. Lord, help us to know uh, your word and, uh, and to internalize it, that it would be inculcated into our lives Lord, I pray that it would cause us not to just know more about you, but to obediently follow and do what you call us to do. So, Lord, I pray today if there are any in this room who hear a story of a man being cleansed and they're in the middle of their sin and they have no idea how they're ever going to get out from underneath the burden of what their life has become, may they hear this, that you, Lord, stand ready and willing to save them. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how many times, I love movies, and I don't know how many times that I have seen a movie and I go to talk to somebody about the movie and they say, this is the words, you've heard this too, yeah, I liked it, but the book was better. Never get that? But the book was better. And by the way, typically true. As a matter of fact, um, most of you, when you think of Frankenstein, you think of the movies, and you think of the character. And actually, you don't think of Victor Frankenstein, the, the man who then was the one who, who assembled these body parts 
and reanimated this life and brought it back to life, you think when, the, when you think Frankenstein, what do you think? You think of the monster. You think of, of that creation of Frankensteins. And it, most of us think of it probably in terms of movies, like all the way going back to Boris Karloff where you got bolts in your neck and a square forehead, or up to Robert De, Robert De Niro who once played uh, in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. But in her novel, Frankenstein's monster is a tragic character. And after his assembled corpse is reanimated, he becomes a man estranged from his creator without anywhere to go and without a single soul who is not repulsed by his existence. In that fictional novel, the monster says this of himself. Of my creation and creator, I was absolutely ignorant. But I knew that I possessed no money, no friends, no kind of property, I was beside, besides endued with a figure, figure hideously deformed and loathsome. I was not even of the same nature as man. When I looked around, I saw and heard of none like me. Was I then a monster, a blot upon the earth, from which all men fled and whom all men disowned? I, the miserable and the abandoned, am an abortion to be spurned at, to be kicked and to be trampled on. Such was a leper in the day of Jesus. Leprosy uh, is a bacterial infection. Its symptoms start in the skin and peripheral nervous system. I'm giving you a little medical lesson today in case you didn't know that. Uh, and the nervous system, outside the brain and spinal cord that is, and they spread to other parts such as the hands and the feet and the face earlobes, patients with leprosy experience disfigurement of the skin and bones, the twisting of limbs, the curling of the fingers to form the characteristic claw hand. Facial changes include the thickening of the outer ear and the collapsing of the nose. Tumor-like growth, this is all fun to hear, isn't it? Not gross on a Sunday morning. Tumor-like Gross called lepromas may form on the skin and in the respiratory tract and the optic nerve may deteriorate. The largest number of deformities develop from loss of pain sensation uh, due to the extensive nerve damage that happens. For instance, those who suffered from leprosy may have picked up scalding hot objects without ever knowing that they were being burned. Or they bumped into sharp objects without knowing they had been lacerated. In the day of Jesus... Lepers were shunned and ostracized. They were kept outside of town in remote and unpopulated areas. If they gathered uh, to announce their, uh, excuse me, if they gathered with anyone, it was only other sufferers of the disease in colonies, in leper colonies. And they were required to announce their presence whenever by chance they uh, happened upon a healthy person by covering their face with their garment and shouting, unclean, unclean. Lepers walked a lonely and discouraging road of suffering. And the only thing they had to cling to was the hope that their particular condition was not a fatal type of the disease. And if it was, that their suffering would not go on forever. When we hear this story, we jump into this story about this leper. This brings us to this particular leper in this story. And so today, I want to quickly look at three things that led to the cleansing of this leper 
And then I want to look at three things that, that this act of Jesus says about our Lord. So if you're doing that Paul's Valley Elementary Math, that's six things, and that ought to worry you. All right? So here we go. Here are these things. Let's look at three things that led to this leper's cleansing. First, he had a desire to be made whole. Look at what it says here at, uh, at the very beginning of this. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him, that is begging him, and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This guy threw convention to the wind, and he, and he made a beeline for Jesus. He didn't worry about staying where lepers were assigned to stay. Uh, he, he overcame any fear he had of running into other people. He made his way to Jesus and begged for mercy. I don't know how it was on the day that you were saved. I was just a small boy. I've mentioned it before, only seven years old, but I can tell you even a seven-year-old boy. Um, I was really led to the Lord by my mom at home and then gave, gave my life to Christ. You know, in service, I came forward. I can tell you this. When they were playing the invitation hymn, I Surrender All, I mentioned that last week, I, I could not wait. I was like, well, this song, I mean, I, 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 mean, I had read it in the... In the uh, bulletin you know that was going to be I surrender all and so I, the preacher was talking right before and I was thinking well he stopped talking and let this song begin so I can get down there I don't know was that you I mean it was like nothing was going to stop you to get there and listen this is exactly what this man did he threw he threw everything out and he said I've got to make it to Jesus now you contrast this with the Pharisees and the Sadducees in John 5 39 and 40 the scripture says this because Jesus is talking to those Sadducees and Pharisees and he says you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life it is these that testify about me and you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life the Pharisees and the Sadducees weren't coming to Jesus. They weren't seeking anything from Jesus other than to hear what he had to say so they could condemn him. And he was saying, you're unwilling to come to me, but not this guy. This guy was ready to come to him. And in Jeremiah 2.13, the scripture says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Have, have your issue, the issues of your life yet brought you fully to Jesus? Or are you still laboring in them and you're still so caught up in the pride of your own heart and life that you would not come to Jesus it's time to lay all that aside and with abandon get to Jesus maybe you're still trying to solve your problems out of your on your own and you feel no need to run to Jesus and your sin has not taken you to a place of desperation but make no mistake that's exactly where it's headed that's where it's leading you. That's where those problems are taking you. And Jesus has the answers to your problems. But unless you get up and make your way to him, you'll never find the renewal you're seeking. There are a lot of other lepers out there. He probably knew other lepers and had been around them. But when he heard about Jesus, he made his way to Jesus. The first thing that we know that led to this leper's cleansing is he desired to be made whole. Second, his humility. The humility of the leper is shown in both his posture and his plea. 
Now, let's look at it again. He says, he falls down on his knees before him, saying, he's begging and falls down on his knees before Jesus and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. His humility is shown both his posture and his plea. In his, plea. his posture is that he falls on his knees before Jesus. Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. I, I don't know about you, but there are times when I sit in my recliner, and by the way, if you went into my house, I have, have two couches in my living room, and that, they're both couches have the recliners on either end, it would be obvious to you where I sit before I ever sat down. It's like, well, that place is well-worn. Yes, right there. There are times when I sit in my recliner and pray. There are times when I lay in my bed and pray. But there are other times where I get down on my knees and pray. And there are things that can drive you to your knees. And he gets down and he begins to beg. When I get down on my knees to pray, I'm taken to my knees by need. In those moments, I'm adding to my heart and my words a physical posture that indicates I'm crying out to one that is far above any created being. I am saying, oh Lord, you are God and I am not and right now, I need what only you can provide. Can I stop and just say something here? And I say this not as a chastisement, but as an invitation. Every, I asked uh, Les as soon as we um, knew that uh, Dwayne was leaving and, and, and I was going to get to uh, come in and, and preach on Sundays. I said, can we please have a little time where we just we pray? We spend time in prayer here. And... And I give an invitation for people to come and pray at the altar. Now, let's, like, like I said, this is an invitation, not a chastisement. But I would like to see some of us come and bow. And we may need to do another song at that point and pray, and, and, and that song be just led by the group up here and, and, and sung over us while the rest of us pray. But you know what? It says something when we get on our knees before God here at the church and here at the altar and say, Lord, we need a pastor. And, and we're going to ask you, and, and our hearts are in it. It says something about the, uh, this man in his posture, that he falls before Jesus begging him. There have been times in my life that I fell before literal people begging them to do something. It means something when we do that. And we also see his humility in his plea. It says, if you are willing... The leper does, doesn't doubt that Jesus can cleanse him. However, his words reveal that he is uncertain as to whether the Lord would do that for someone like him. I think that's true for a lot of us. Lord, I know that you can do this, but would you be willing to do this for me? James 4.6 tells us, that God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And it tells us in Proverbs 3, he scoffs at the scoffers, yet he gives grace to the afflicted. He, he stands ready to jump in the middle of your mess and respond. And we see 
three things here that led this, to this leper's cleansing. His desire to be made whole, his humility, and finally, his faith. He states unequivocally that if Jesus is willing, he knows he can make him clean. He has faith that Jesus can rid him of his disease. Now, as we discussed in past weeks, Jesus always responds to faith either the presence of it or the absence of it. And here we have this leper who has made his way to Jesus, humbly dropping down before him and makes a declaration of faith in, in Jesus' ability to deal with his malady. This is the picture of every soul who finds salvation in Christ, finding themselves drawn to Christ, keenly aware of their sinful condition, and who by faith acknowledge that it is only Jesus who can save them. That's the picture. Listen, I, I promise you, there's never been a preacher that stands behind this pulpit who would give a message and think that the message that they're preaching is a persuasive speech. That in, the, in this, I'm going to give a speech and it's going to be persuasive enough that you would respond. Nobody wants to do that. That's not preaching. We're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your heart, here's what happens. You're made keenly aware of your sinful condition. And you know that there is no way you can be forgiven except through the power of what Jesus has done. His atoning work on the cross, and we have the promise of eternal life through his resurrection from the grave. And at the moment that you hear that, the Spirit says to you, I've got to respond to that, and I've got to give my life to Jesus. It's not about what I say. It's about the Holy Spirit and what he's doing. Amen. This is the picture we see here. These are the things that led to this man's cleansing. So what, do we, what are these? We got a clear picture of these things uh, that led to the leper being cleansed. What, what does this cleansing of the leper say about Jesus? First, by the way, if you're counting, I've done three things. There's three left. I know some of you, listen, I don't know about you. My kids were going in school. When they were in school, they had these, uh, uh, they were part of different organizations, you know, and it'd be like a, something that would, a musical or something, and you would go to the school to watch the musical, and my, Kim would be there to, to enjoy the musical, not me. I'm looking to see what is the name of the last song. And, or, wh when is my kid through? Because I may have to leave early. I mean, that's how bad it is. I'm, I'm, I'm just confessing on myself right now. We're halfway there. We're getting ready to be. All right, we're gonna, it's all going to be good. First, Here's the thing it tells us about. He stands ready to exercise compassion with us. He stands ready to exercise compassion with us. Jesus doesn't show us compassion in the static sense. Rather, he exercises compassion with us in the active sense. Jesus demonstrated his compassion by moving toward the man and by touching him. Now think about that for a moment. This guy's a leper. In that day and age, nobody messed with lepers. Lepers stayed away from everyone else. And to get near them, to touch them or be around them could mean that you could get it. They didn't want that. You, the, the leper, as I said before, had to announce they were unclean or nearby. And Jesus, when this guy comes up and begs for that, Jesus moves then toward him and touches him. This type of action was unheard of. It would mean that Jesus had become ceremonially unclean himself. However, ritual uncleanness was of no consequence to Jesus in comparison with human need. 
This attitude was seen as a threat by the religious leaders of the day and just added to their growing list of reasons they wanted to do away with him. The actions of Jesus in this passage remind us that he is ready to exercise compassion in our situations of need. Move toward him. Cry out to him. Have faith in him. He is unafraid. Listen, he is unafraid of your mess. Even though you've apologized over and over and over again, he's not sitting back going, well, I'm tired of hearing that. He is unafraid of your mess. He will embrace you in the midst of it, and the cross speaks loudly and says, he is willing. Second, it tells us about Jesus. He is powerful enough to provide salvation for us. He exercises compassion with us. He provides salvation for us. He's powerful enough to provide salvation for us. In the Old and New Testaments, leprosy is a picture or a symbol of sin. The Bible never speaks of healing leprosy, always of cleansing. Did you get that? Catch that. It never speaks of healing. It's always of cleansing. To show he has the power to save, Jesus not only cleanses this man of his leprosy, but he instructs him to go show himself to the priest as instructed by Moses, according to the law, as a testimony to the... It says in, there in this passage, if you read it, it says, as a testimony to them. He's talking about the religious authorities. He, he has him go and do this as it was instructed by Moses, according to the law, as a testimony to the religious authorities that Jesus has the power to save. Notice also that Mark again uses here, and we're going to look at it. Look at verse 42. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Mark here again uses the word immediately. Now we talked about the fact that in this book, Mark's got a lot of action going on. He, he uses that term immediately over 40 times. Well, all, we're, we're just at the end of chapter 1, and this is the ninth time he has used that word. We haven't even left the first chapter yet. Mark has a sense of urgency to his gospel. He wants us to know that if you took a moment off while observing Jesus' ministry, you likely will miss something of critical importance because he is telling us that when Jesus speaks, he speaks with authority. And when he heals, he heals with power. And when he cleanses, he cleanses thoroughly. And when he saves, he saves fully and forever. Here's the last thing. He is humble enough. Jesus is humble enough to offer the exchanged life to us. He exercises compassion with us. He's powerful enough to provide salvation for us. He is humble enough to offer the exchanged life to us. He is ready to do these things. And he is humble enough to offer this life to us. Go back to verse 39. I want you to see this. So in your Bible, just look at verse 39 again. I read that and started with it. 
And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. Notice where Jesus is teaching. He's in the synagogues throughout Galilee. He's in the cities, in the populated places. And where is the leper? He's in the wilderness, in the unpopulated areas. But after this encounter with Jesus, this former outcast is freed to go into those populated areas and he once could not enter in. And he tells everyone about Jesus so much so that Jesus could no longer enter a city. This is what Jesus does. He offers us an exchanged life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, And he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. On the cross, he bears the sin. Let me back up here and say this. What Jesus did in exchanging his position with that leper is just a picture of what he does for us spiritually. That is, on the cross, he bears the sin for which we are guilty. In exchange, he offers us his righteousness for which we are wholly undeserved. It is the great exchange. All we need to do is believe. You see what happened there? This guy comes in. He's been living out here, away from everybody. He can't get near him. He comes in, Jesus, and Jesus has been in the city's teaching. And then Jesus cleanses him. And when he does, this guy, instead of doing what Jesus, I mean, going straight to, to the priest to say this tale, he starts telling everybody about this thing in the city because he can go in there now. He's clean. And he goes in the city and he starts telling everybody about it, so much so that Jesus has to leave the city and go out in the unpopulated places. And now this leper is in the cities and Jesus is out here. It's the picture of the exchanged life that Jesus gives us. All we have to do is believe in him. What is it that you need, that you need to fall down before Jesus and beg him for today? Is it health? Is it strength? Is it courage? Is it wisdom? Listen, is it forgiveness? The cross says he is willing. All you need to do is call on him now. Let's pray together.